This is the My Michelle Live podcast. Get ready to get geeky at SciTech Talk. Here's Michelle. Hey, friends. Welcome to Science and Technology Tuesday. Oh, I think you're really going to like what we're taking on today. And we're doing it in a really unique way, too. It's the vaccine. This show is not about today pro-vaccine or anti-vax. It's not about supporting your camp. So if you're here to shore up your argument so you can go on social media, it's not just about that. This is about a real discussion. We're going to talk about things you do not hear on the news. We're going to talk about things that are pro and con of vax. And we're even getting to something that is just not tossed around. The God story. Seriously, the God story. We will share the God story in this noisy debate surrounding the vaccine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this great arena down North Carolina, the heart of the research triangle. We've come to this particular place tonight because we've got to look at things from every angle. We need some answers to some complicated questions if we're going to get it right. That song was by Randy Newman, and it was called The Great Debate. Thank you, Lisa. So the vaccine, with all of the extraordinary innovation and technology, even science, that we've got at our fingertips, all the brilliance of mankind. We're faced with this impossible foe, the coronavirus, and we now have a vaccine. Is it a silver bullet, though? And are you still skeptical? Really? Well, you wouldn't know it from the news, but if you or someone you know has a little skepticism, about the vaccine, you're actually not alone. Wow, a survey does find an increased number of folks that say they would definitely definitely, or probably get the vaccine for COVID-19. There's still a huge number of folks on the fence or may have jumped off to the other, I'm not getting that thing in my body side. The caveat to this survey, by the way, this survey in particular is they would definitely get the vaccine if, if, if it was determined to be safe by scientists and available for free to everyone and anyone who wanted it. So what does that count stand at? Well, it's at 71% with those caveats. That is up from 63% in September. But get this. You will not believe what healthcare workers are saying. Healthcare workers across the country have already started receiving COVID 19 vaccines. Doctors and nurses at some of the nation's top hospitals are sounding the alarm. They're saying this distribution has been crazy, chaotic, even an unfair free-for-all. This according to NPR. People are trying to skip lines, but there's something you're not hearing. You know who's not getting the vaccine? Wait for it. More than half of EMS workers in New York 
They have vaccine skepticism, not sure they're going to get it. That's according to the New York Post. Uh, California, Riverside County, one of the most infected areas of the nation. Frontline healthcare workers are refusing it. How many, you ask? 50%. Did you hear Michelle right? Should you rewind? No, that was what you heard. Frontline healthcare workers, 50% are refusing the vaccine. Houston, other cities, it's about the same. Why would frontline healthcare workers, those who are most exposed, most at risk, and you might even say most at risk at spreading it, why would they refuse or have serious skepticism? 50%. Why? Politics and the unknowns. Those are the two biggest reasons. You've got a story on this, Lisa. Oh, yes, I do. And this is from NBC. Healthcare workers will be among the first to be offered the COVID-19 vaccine, but some healthcare workers say they are reluctant to be vaccinated. They say they just have so many questions that need to be answered. Two vaccines awaiting emergency approval from the FDA, but not every healthcare worker is jumping to the front of the COVID vaccine line. I'm hesitant because of the fact that it's brand new and no one has taken it before. Farah Corrales, a nurse at a skilled nursing facility in LA County, says many of her colleagues feel the same way. I feel like this was developed in such a short amount of time. Some experts say the vaccine will likely cause a reaction similar to mild COVID symptoms. Corrales is worried about the long-term effects. Everyone's different, you know, and I could be responding to it way differently than everyone else would later on. Listen to this quote. There is a race to get the public vaccinated. So we are willing to take more risks. That's according to Tal Brash, head of the Infectious Disease Unit at Samson Asuda Ashad Hospital. And he told this to the Jerusalem Post. He acknowledged there are unique and unknown risks to messenger RNA vaccines, including local and systemic inflammatory responses that could lead to autoimmune conditions. That's not even in the United States. That's in Jerusalem. This is a worldwide issue. People are going, I don't know about this thing. There are a lot of unknowns today. I'm going to tell you some things in a very as balanced as we can try to be about vaccine concerns, some good things that vaccines do that we didn't realize they do, the legalities of making a vaccine mandatory and some of the concerns and some big concerns there are, including, have you heard of COVID camps? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about that too. We're going to talk, take these on. Uh, we're going to give you all the information, but there is a deeper story. There's some things, good things to get excited about concerning the vaccine. And there's some cautionary tales that lead us to a God story. To follow the news or social media, everybody's all about the vax. It's fueled by this propaganda that we've talked about on TV, billboards, if you go to the store. And have you noticed that it's everywhere? It's almost like a vaccine euphoria. The promise of this one-sized fits-all 
medical miracle that will bring life back to normal. Today, we're going to be talking truth. We're going to have a molecular biologist, Dr. Fazal Rana. He's going to talk about the good and the bad and the unknowns of the vaccine, as well as the God story. We'll look a little bit deeper into this medical miracle and why it might be great, but should we really put our undying faith in it? And if we do, what some of the problems actually could result in. But first... This being Science and Technology Tuesday, we're going to look into other innovations, other cool, geeky, techy things that are on the horizon for your new year in 2021. Sit back. It's time for King's Tech Report. See the boy, King. Tech, 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 tech. How King's Tech Report on My Michelle Live. King, happy new year. Happy new year, Michelle. Glad to have you back in the tech seat again. We're also joined by Giselle Infante hanging out with us today as we talk about technology. Welcome, guys. Happy new year. And King, what kind of cool techie stuff do we have to look forward to in the new year? Okay, so I've got two pretty cool things going on. Mostly it's computers. And okay. like, like you heard just for the Christmas, anyone who's a gamer who's listening to you guys right now, they've probably heard of the new NVIDIA RTX 3090 or the 3000 series. Here's okay. the thing. It there's really no way to sugarcoat this, but it is a monster of computing power. And How big like, of a monster is it? <laughs> that's the question that's begging big me enough, Big enough that it takes up about half of your computer. <laughs> My goodness. Um, so, excuse um, me? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so this is really primarily for gaming. Yes, it is. But like jumping off of that, what I was what I was going to lead to was supercomputers and like the insane amount because me being a complete nerd, I watched one video about quantum mechanics and suddenly I'm on quantum computing. <laughs> And so quantum computing, what exactly is that? So quantum computing is at the most basic form. You know how a computer works. It basically looks at a switch and decides what and looks at if the switch is on or off, creating a one or a zero. This is where we get binary from. Okay. Well, here's the thing with quantum computing it can be both. It can be both a one and a zero. Mine. Blown. Yeah. Ouch. So. so Okay. So what are the implications? The implications for this, there are so many, there are just so many different possibilities because like, as you include more and more of these I'm probably going to get the term completely wrong, and I apologize to everyone for this, 
But if you get basically, if you get the same number of quantum computer transistors as you do normal transistors in a CPU, instead of being like twice as powerful or three times as powerful, you suddenly get an exponential amount of power growth. So you could get like 40, 50, 60 times the amount of computing power as a normal computer, simply because you can have this in two different states at once. Oh, that's just crazy. So we can look at some mind-blowing, seemingly unimpossible things. Uh, In one of your prior tech reports, we talked a bit about some of the science fiction versus science reality and how some of those things have come into being. Some of the very things from Star Trek are now science reality, like the cell phones we have in our hands. But there have been some studies and some... uh, processes going on talking about transporters that that could be something we'd be looking at in the future i think i'm going to be more like bones of star trek and say i'm not getting in that confounded contraption and having my atoms spread across the universe however (laughs) it's pretty cool to think that when you have that kind of computing power the sky is almost the limit well, oh, yeah. And, and then you go into one step further with quantum computing, which is called quantum entanglement, which is basically you'll have two different atoms or two different electrons. I don't remember exactly. You'll have two different particles of matter, which are essentially connected to each other. You change one and the other will change because of it. And these two particles can be separated by unimaginable distances and they still affect each other. So essentially you have data transfer faster than the speed of light through instant data transfers. So you're, we're already transporting. We're just not doing it in the physical sense quite yet. <laughs> no, it's quite. Um, and I don't, I don't even know if we're actually doing that yet. Um, I don't know if that's gone beyond the realm of fiction yet but But it's almost possible and that's why it's so fascinating to talk about it in this tech report that there are some things that are becoming more and more possible we're getting more and more power but what's also really funny though is we we get more ability our technology grows but sometimes our morality has a hard time keeping up many of these innovations are meant for the good of man for ways that we can do incredible good but we don't always think of the side effect and we don't always know what the byproduct's going to be because we don't live in a world that has a, a a compass that's always pointing to a moral north. Giselle, you were doing some research into some medical technology that's on the horizon. Well, one of the interesting things I found that is actually being used today, they started implementing it back in May of 2020 in um, trials. But what it is, is once again, revolves around phones. It's pacemakers that are attached by Bluetooth to your phone. And it's it's both attached to your phone and via your phone to your medical provider. So your medical provider can actually go in and look at how your pacemaker is performing and adjust it 
without even having to see you, but just, you know, adjust how it does it and, and in what way. <laughs> oh my but gosh. Okay. That, and then, then wait, let's just stop there for a moment. Back to the morality issue. What could possibly go wrong? I don't like grandma very much today. Let's see. Let's hack into the cell phone. And, you know, I mean, just saying, does it, am I the so, only one that's going, Oh, good. that's weird. In, in theory, only the doctor has access to that part. In theory. Uh, in theory. You only have access to the analytics and how it, your heart is working, but it's actually helping patients on pacemakers maintain proper health it's helping remind them well i i think that's fabulous it it. really is fabulous i'm not saying it's bad but i'm just saying that it does have the possibility of oops what were you going to say king so um there was actually an animated movie produced a few years ago that this kind of thing happened and where it was like this very powerful family in japan Sorry, very, very renowned family, very big and such. Anyway, and the matriarch, the grandmother, had a pacemaker that was connected to her phone, to the Internet, so that her son, the doctor watching her, could properly take care of her and make adjustments. But here's where the problem happened. Um Someone accidentally released a virus into the network, into the big internet system that also was monitoring her heart monitor. And it shut down the system. And so unfortunately, because of that, grandma kind of didn't make it. And so it's like the last half of this movie is literally just them with a supercomputer fighting against Mm. this computer virus. That's fascinating. It's funny how sometimes as messed up as Hollywood is, I'm come on, we all know Hollywood's messed up. They're hypocritical, they're messed up, but sometimes with the sci-fi stuff, <clears throat> they get it right. Um, and that's what we're looking at as we're going to be talking about the vaccine today, guys, is that there's some great things. Innovation, where this vaccine is concerned, they're, they have minimized some of the ugly adjuvants that arguably could or you could say no way do they cause problems even though we've had uh, this amazing coincidence of more vaccines and then more of these problems nonetheless the problems that are very documentable they've kind of paid attention to that and said hey how can we do this better so our technology does get better and better however there are oftentimes unforeseen consequences you know we're using the mrna this fragile molecule with the pfizer vaccine and it could be effective it could it's very fragile so it could spoil easily and be ineffective what is the long-term results will it affect other areas of our health we have some stories that we're going to share in a few moments about what vaccines have actually done to our health that some people that there's some studies that show people who have been vaccinated have a higher mortality rate in general health than folks who have 
not been vaccinated. So there's some things that you do have to take into consideration, things that we're not being told because, well, we're just being told one side of the story, but that's why I find this fascinating. Um, it's it, anytime you're dealing with DNA, I think there is a creep factor, though. What do you guys think? Oh, definitely. Oh yeah, there there's definitely a point where we need to. There's definitely a point where, like Jeff Goldblum says, <laughs> your scientists were too were too busy with whether they could that they didn't stop to think whether they should. Oh, boom. Yeah. Oftentimes that actually happens. And so we've always got to make sure that we're prepared to take a step back and say, am I doing Mm. something that's right? I know it's probably good for the majority, but is it good in general? Is it good? Or how we utilize the vaccine is is my question. I think vaccines can be very good, especially when we're looking at deaths of, of hundreds of thousands of people. Vaccines could help in that. That shows that we care and that every single person is valuable, a, a, a validation of life that we're sorely lacking in our society. That's great and all, but we're, we're getting to the point where we're looking at COVID camps, a bill in New York, A416, calls for the removal or detention of individuals who are identified as case, contact, or carrier of a contagious disease. We're looking at COVID camps. Will that include people who aren't vaccinated, you know, where people can't buy, sell, or trade, or even go to travel or, or get on a plane without having the vaccine? We're already seeing that vaccines are necessary to travel to foreign countries. But when are we going to get to the point where we have no tolerance for someone with a different point of view? Oh, wait, we're already there. (laughs) There you go. There's also some people that can't take vaccines that can't get flu shots. And they are already treated as if they're monsters and anti-science. And, you know, in fact, their own doctors say, hey, if you take this, you will die. Well, we're going to talk more about this as we continue, but I think King gets the drop the mic moment of the day. We've been so busy talking about can we, we haven't always thought about should we. This has been the King Report. King's Tech Report on My Michelle Live. Okay, let's delve deep into some things we might want to know about vaccines. Stat News had an interesting piece touting that we have gotten kind of blinded by what they call vaccine euphoria, the light at the end of the tunnel. So much so that we underestimate how long that tunnel is and how dangerous that tunnel is. That's according to Peter Sands, executive director of the Swiss-based Global Fund to fight AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria. They've expanded their mission to combat COVID as well. Keep in mind, we are frothing at the mouth like Pavlov's dog over the vaccine that not only 
does this one vaccine seem to be the cure-all, but we have not realized that it is not 100%. It does not prevent 100% of infections. It's unclear, according to scientists, according to those who are even touting the vaccine, unclear whether they prevent infection and transmission of the virus that causes the disease. Uh, Where you get the vaccine... Could you still transmit it if you're in contact? Could you still be a carrier? It could leave unvaccinated people vulnerable. The Stat News article also talks about something Giselle was just mentioning in our tech report. They quote Samantha Penta, an assistant professor of emergency preparedness at Sunny Albany, She says that there is always some segment of the population unable to tolerate vaccines. So before people say, well, those unvaccinated people, those anti-vaxxers, that's fine if they die. That's their choice. But look, there's a segment of the population, and it's probably a big one, that can't really tolerate the vaccines because of allergies, because of immunocompromised circumstance. Taken together... These caveats, she says, guarantee that just because a vaccine is out doesn't mean a sufficient population of the country is protected. And that means that virus could still be spreading even after we shoot up, so to speak. The concern also is that we all go wee willy nilly shooting up the vaccine all across the nation and then think that all is well. We let down our guard. We forget to wash our hands. Ew. And the virus hits us when we least expect it. We put our faith in the immunization instead of relying on our God-given immune system. And, well, this could be the thanks that we get. You cannot just put your eggs in that basket. Bloomberg Opinion had a piece by Faye Flam on COVID-19 saying that COVID-19 is far more dangerous than any vaccine. She says this, vaccines can be scary. You're asking healthy people to roll up their sleeve and take a shot of something mysterious, something associated with deadly germs. For COVID-19 vaccines, she says, such fears may be amplified by concern that development was rushed Yeah. And by the way, everything associated with the pandemic has been politicized, right? She quotes Stuart Lyman, a cancer researcher who says that you should be skeptical of people with vaccine fears because there's a lot of profit in stoking those vaccine fears. You know, he mentions things like supplements and oils and people selling uh, vitamins and things like that. There's money in that. Um, And I While that's a viable point, um, are you saying there's no profit in vaccines? Pfizer and Moderna could make 32 billion, yeah, billion off COVID-19. And billions are at stake for companies, people who push the vaccine, people with uh, distribution, containers, storage. So, Look at all of the facts. That's all I'm saying. Look at all of the facts. Vaccines are thought to be universally safe, right? Effective. 
and that the science on this is settled. Don't even question it. There's no need to. In fact, there have been articles where people have said, well, there are some folks that came down with palsy or had allergic reactions. And the comments at the bottom, please don't be that person who says this shouldn't be put up or or the people there's going to be some who are going to write me and say you shouldn't be doing a show that questions vaccines that'll encourage people not to get them how about not being afraid of truth if we don't encourage conversation vaccines will never get better and the problems that we do see won't get better oh it's it's crazy making Yes, we need to question. Uh, You don't just lie down and take it. Look, for years, Danish researchers have shown that vaccines against everything from polio, smallpox, malaria, tuberculosis have had beneficial side effects, but also harmful health effects, effects that are unrelated to the disease the vaccine protects against. Their research showed that some vaccines protect against completely different diseases. Hello, wow, that's cool. Diseases other than those for which they were designed. So you get a shot for one thing and it helps you with disease, completely unrelated diseases. That's fabulous. Unfortunately, other vaccines are associated with excess mortality from unrelated disease. You heard that right. And listen to this really carefully. You may be thankful that you listened to this broadcast because of this. Something we're not thinking of. I get a vax for one thing. It puts me at higher risk for something else, possibly. Now, folks, we've all heard of the list of side effects from helpful medication, right? So it's not so hard to think that with vaccines, there could be side effects as well. Now there's so many medicines, they got this prescription stuff that they advertise on TV. And I swear, half the time, the side effects are 50 times worse than what the medicine cures. Like try new Floraflor for itchy, watery eyes. It's Floraflor. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, water weight gain, lower back pain, receding hairline, eczema, seborrheic psoriasis, itching, chafing clothing, liver spots, blood clots, ringworm, excessive body odor, uneven tire wear, pyorrhea, gonorrhea, diarrhea, halitosis, scoliosis, loss of bladder control, hammer toe, the shanks, low sperm count, warped floors, cluttered drawers, hunchback, heart attack, low resale value on your home. <laughs> Feline leukemia, athlete's foot, head lice, club foot, MSMD, VD, fleas, anxiety, sleeplessness, drowsiness, poor gas mileage, tooth decay, parvo, warts, unibrow, lazy eye, fruit flies, chest pains, clogged drains, hemorrhoids, dry heaving, and sexual dysfunction. I'm watching it going, you know what? I'll just have itchy, watery eyes. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff Foxworthy. So you got to keep these things in mind and encourage better science, encourage us to go farther down the road. And it's perfectly fine to question what goes into your body. I mean, there's a whole movement of women who say, it's my body, it's my choice, but suddenly it comes to vaccines and it's not your choice anymore in some regards. 
The U.S. National Library of Medicine National Institute of Health insisted that the public should be told that vaccines may have long-term adverse effects. Now, that's not the corona vaccine. This is other vaccines. And this was published almost two years ago months before COVID-19, when they found that immunization influenza B vaccine starting at birth was associated with a risk of insulin-dependent diabetes. Here's something else. A 10-year study showed that unvaccinated people are far healthier than their vaccinated peers who suffer from more respiratory infections, asthma, allergies, and the like. And that study was published in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. Look, look, whoa, slow down. Don't get so mad at me and send those angry emails. Oh, go ahead. I love hearing from you regardless. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I think vaccines can have their place. I think there are people at high risk that we want to protect and it can help. I think there are some high risk involved in the unknowns, but vaccines on the whole, not such a bad thing. But I am pro looking at all the facts. There is something, one thing that is undisputed. No vaccines have been studied for their nonspecific effects on overall health. No vaccines have been studied for their nonspecific effects. And before we have examined these, we cannot actually say that vaccines are really safe. We don't know what the side effects are or how it interacts with other things that we've taken or that we're doing or our blood type, etc., etc. The Collegian wrote an article, COVID-19, vaccines, they say, pose a potential danger to not just our health in some cases, but also our liberty. When we rush to inject 30, 330 million people with an experimental vaccine against a virus that poses a substantial danger to only a certain demographic, I mean, a 99% survival rate for the majority, much less though. It can be um, far more for older people. And so, yes, COVID is so serious, but the vaccine has only so much efficacy. So it isn't just a silver bullet. And then we're trained to just trust the experts. Don't question. That has farther reaching implications than just a vaccine. They quoted former President Ronald Reagan that said the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. The government has already failed to contain the virus. And so should we trust them completely without having conversations like this about the virus? Well, we're going to continue this conversation, but we're going to bring in someone so much smarter than me. We're going to bring a molecular biologist in to talk about the vaccine. He says he was not afraid to take it, but there are some things to be concerned about that we're going to talk about and we're going to get to the God story. Well, the vaccine being upon us and part of our story today on this broadcast, we're delving in deep, getting some answers, debating it through and looking for the God story. And yeah, believe it or not, there is one. So in the midst of all of this talk, can we also give you reasons to believe? And now, reasons to believe. 
Yes, we are going to attempt to look for a God story in the midst of this crazy world we live in. And I have invited a familiar voice on our broadcast, Dr. Fazrana, Vice President of Research and Apologetics at Reasons to Believe. He's the author of some fabulous books, one I'm holding in my hand right now, Creating Life in the Lab. He's written, oh, Humans 2.0. Love that book. That is so timely. Uh, He is a man of faith, a man of science, holds a PhD in chemistry with an emphasis in biochemistry. So a great resource as we take on the vaccine today. Fuzz, good to connect with you. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, Michelle. I I hope your year is is a great year for you, your loved ones, and for all the people that are part of the Live from Seattle broadcast. Well, I will tell you, I am very excited. The first uh, four days have been okay. So, so far, so good. (laughs) We're just going to hold on to that. Look, um, we have the vaccine now upon us. And just looking at it from a scientific point of view, um, I'd like to talk briefly about what vaccines are are traditionally where they come from and what they what uh what they're meant to do i think we all have a broad understanding but if we could see it just a little bit of the science of it that might set the stage yeah well you know most vaccines are essentially trying to uh, trick our immune system into uh, developing immunity to uh an an infection that we haven't yet uh, had right and so uh, when we're infected with a virus that will trigger over time an immune reaction where our immune system will clear our bodies of the virus. And then in the future, uh, our immune system remembers that particular viral infection and then can respond to it and, and prevent us from getting sick a second time. Uh, and the idea then behind a, a vaccine is to inject either a dead virus or what's called an attenuated virus, a virus that has been inactivated into our bodies and, in a sense, triggering an immune response without us getting sick, so that in the future when we encounter or experience that virus, our bodies will be able to clear it very very quickly. Uh, And so that's essentially what, what a vaccine is, and most vaccines traditionally are, again, injecting either a dead version of the virus that we're trying to build immunity to, or uh, an attenuated version of that virus. And so what we're looking at is uh, inactivated or a a virus that just doesn't have the bite, so to speak, destroyed by heat or chemicals, and meant to elicit immune responses without infecting us with, ideally infecting us with the, the virus or whatever it is that we're looking for immunity from. So th- and, and other uh, viruses, maybe measles, mumps, use a weakened virus that, that should not be able to hurt you, but can train your immune system to fight it. So in other words, it's kind of like uh, being exposed to something that It's like being exposed to something, but on such a minute scale that your body's able to take it in, overcome it, and build up immunity. Is that what we're looking at? Yeah, that's exactly what we're looking at with, this is with least traditional virus, or sorry, traditional vaccines. But but the mRNA is not a traditional vaccine. This is kind of a new kid on the block. 
And this is actually something a little different. It's a vaccine that communicates with, can you say our DNA? Well, actually, the, th- this is a, a misunderstanding uh, about RNA vaccines. Oh, good. Is that they okay. actually, Educate us. They don't, they don't interact with our DNA whatsoever. Uh, but rather, they they are essentially a piece of genetic material, but they're not the they're not DNA, but rather they're a copy of a of a gene uh, that would encode in the virus for its spike protein. And so, what you're doing is you're delivering this uh, you know messenger RNA to the cells, and then the cells machinery reads it, uh, and then uses those instructions to build the virus spike protein that it then presents to the immune system. And then what we do is we develop immunity to the virus spike protein. But since that protein is attached to the virus's surface, we in effect have now an immunity uh, to the virus itself. So we never have to be exposed to a virus, whether a dead virus or uh, an inactivated virus, but rather we can, or an attenuated virus, but rather uh, we can develop immunity by simply, uh, uh, you know, being exposed in effect to the spike protein of the virus. So in effect, it is communicating, but it's communicating, I've heard one person say, or write rather, that it's kind of like uh, giving your cells a picture of a virus like it's a bad guy posted at the post office right and so it tells your body what to look for and and what to fight against essentially yeah that's right because you know the the way um, our our bodies make proteins is that we have dna which is in the nucleus and this is like the set of instructions that tell our cells machinery how to make all the different components you need in the cell and how much of those components to make But when it's time to make an individual protein, those instructions are read and then copied in a form of another molecule called messenger RNA that makes its way out of the nucleus into the cytoplasm where it's then read by the machinery and then used to make proteins. And uh, and so when a virus infects our body, it's, it's essentially, it's genetic material is taking over our cells machinery directing it to make more copies of the virus that then are released from the cell and continue the infectious cycle. So what you're doing here is you're circumventing all of that by just simply delivering the instructions to make only a small portion of the the virus, namely its spike protein, and that then allows us to build immunity. So to, to build off of your analogy, it would be like we are not even saying here's a poster of the virus, but here's just a a poster of this particular part of the virus. And if you see that part, uh, whether it's attached to the virus or not, you respond, your immune system responds. It's ingenious. It is absolutely ingenious and a testament to much of what we've experienced in modern medicine. Some of the most brilliant ways that we can help uh, humanity. And and it it is... uh, 
phenomenal. But what I wanted to get to, and we'll get to more of the good, the bad, and the ugly, as long as we're talking about bad guys of the vaccine. But I wanted to uh, cut right to the chase and get to some of the God story in it. And that's what we look for on this broadcast is the God story. You know, what, what can we see about a creator? What can we see, if, if anything, evidence of God? What say you, Fuzz? Well, you know, the, the, we are talking about the fact that these messenger RNA vaccines are, are brand new vaccines. And, and this is true because with the COVID-19 vaccines developed both by Pfizer, BioNTech, as well as Moderna, this is the first time that these vaccines will be used in, uh, on a large scale in human populations. But and so many people are afraid, you know, and, and are concerned because they're new are they really effective? Are they really safe? And couple that with the fact that these vaccines were developed in record time. Prior to this, I think that the fastest a vaccine has ever been developed is four years. And here we've gone from uh, basically developing a vaccine uh, and having it ready to be deployed in less than a year, in, in, in about six to nine months. And so this causes a lot of fear in people but I think it's really important to remember that these vaccines have been developed uh, over the span of 30 years. The process of developing these mRNA vaccines has literally taken 30 years. And it was very difficult to get them to work uh, in the very early days, even though the principle was simple, that to, to actually execute these vaccines has been very, very difficult. And what was happening is that at the very point in time that the COVID-19 pandemic hit, that we had developed RNA vaccines to the point that we already were in small-scale uh, clinical trials with these vaccines for things like Ebola and Zika. And so we worked out by that point in time how to actually do these vaccines to the point where we had the chassis in place. And all we had to do then was swap the messenger RNA for the Ebola vaccine with the messenger RNA for the spike protein for the SARS-2 coronavirus in voila, we had the vaccine. And so literally the development of the vaccine took days uh, from when we had the sequence for the spike protein to when we were able to actually have a vaccine that could be tested on animals. So, so we were, for, and then from going from animal studies, we were able then to progress into human clinical studies again within weeks. And, and so, you know, these vaccines are safe because they're 30 years in the making. But to me, what is the, the eerie part of this is that the coincidence is that just at the very moment uh, the COVID-19 pandemic hit, we have basically the technology that allows us to respond with, with a, a new vaccine within days of, of the COVID-19 pandemic hitting. And, and this to me is beyond just simply a coincidence or getting really lucky. This to me is, uh, I see God's providential hand that even in the midst of this pandemic, God has not forgotten us. He's created us with these incredible immune systems that allow us to protect ourselves from pathogens. But then he also had orchestrated the events of history in such a way that when this pandemic hit, we were already in a position to respond to it just like that. 
And you see that as being an incredible God story. And and indeed, I, I think that it is. I think that there is another part of the God story, though, as well. And to me, it comes with caution that oftentimes we do look at uh, what we can create as being um, the silver bullet, so to speak. And while the, the vaccine can be helpful, uh, in some ways we have kind of a vaccine euphoria and we don't always pay attention to some of the issues that vaccines do create. And the vaccine industry and most public health organizations say vaccines are universally safe and they are for, for the most part for most people. They're effective. Uh, but there's an idea that it's a settled science. And we're finding that uh, there's been research that has shown that vaccines uh, against everything from smallpox and polio um, can have beneficial effects. They can even uh, protect us against things that they're finding now that they weren't even meant to protect us against, but they can also have harmful effects. And there was some research that was done. Now, this is not concerning the um, the vaccine for the coronavirus, but just in general, that some vaccines um, can also affect um people in negative ways. And so uh, without going into those, and we can and uh, if, if we need to, uh, sometimes we don't know some of the effects. You know, we've seen some people with palsy uh, that has come from, from this. Uh, we don't always know the long-term effects. And that's not to say that vaccines are evil. I, I have more of a mid-ground viewpoint saying that uh, there are people in segments of our population that that this can be wonderful for, especially if there's a, a high death rate. Uh, but, you know, we also have a wonderful immune system that feeding it naturally and being exposed to things is not always such a bad thing. I think sometimes we're really, really afraid of germs and catching anything and exposing ourselves to the point where we sanitize ourselves out of existence. Yeah, well, you know, it, you you brought up a, a number of really good points, Michelle, and and I'll, I'll say this that, you know, when it comes to the, the the vaccines that are available right now from Pfizer, BioNTech, as well as Moderna, and they both are again are, are messenger RNA vaccines. I mean, they they were uh, safety tested in animals. They were safety tested in small scale human clinical trials before they went to the phase three trial and. Uh, the, the primary concern right now from a safety standpoint would be for those people that have autoimmune disorders or for people that tend to respond with very strong allergic reactions to, to things in the environment or to, to drugs or medicines or foods. Those are people that probably should avoid taking the vaccine. Uh, also, the vaccine has not been safety tested on women that are breastfeeding or pregnant or in small children. And so these are also groups of people that probably should avoid the vaccine, at least initially. Uh, so, uh, so, you know, it's also important to keep in mind that these vaccines were kind of fast tracked in terms of regulatory approval. So they were approved for on an emergency basis for use because we're in the midst of a, a pandemic. And these vaccines are incredibly effective. You know, they're 90% effective compared to like the influenza vaccine that we get every year, which is about 40 to 60% effective. And so other than these kind of allergic reactions 
to the vaccine, which is going to be at a relatively low level in the population, there was no reason from a safety standpoint to not approve them. But to your point, as we continue to vaccinate people in the larger population, I imagine we will end up seeing, again, a small percentage or proportion of people that simply cannot tolerate these vaccines. So, you know, uh, this is, but, you know, we're kind of in a a situation that this is the best bad option that we have, apart from going for another year or so trying to collect safety data. So, you know, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a trade-off in that respect. Now, well, sure. And then we have, oh, go ahead, please. Now I was just going to say with regard to Bell's palsy, this is, something that was observed in both clinical trials for Moderna and Pfizer-BioNTech. But the the number of people reporting Bell's palsy would be comparable to if you took that same 75,000 sampling of people from the American population, about eight people would develop Bell's palsy over the course of about six months. So people saw a correlation with uh, not necessarily a cause and effect, but it is something that I think we need to keep an eye on. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes it's a numbers game. When you have a high survivability probability of corona in certain segments of the population, and then you think, well, what's the chances of uh, maybe the Bell's palsy or uh, other things? You know, people really do have to weigh those out. That is what being an informed public is. I actually suffered from uh, Bell's palsy as a child. Mm -hmm. And while everything came back for some uh, who have suffered from this, um, it doesn't. And I did lose a dimple, though, but I still smile. So that's just fine. But see, vaccines have been studied for their nonspecific effects on the overall health. But we haven't uh, we they they haven't rather been studied for their nonspecific effects on overall health. They've been studied for their specific effects. So we there's a lot that we don't know of how vaccines in general beyond just the COVID vaccine affects people. And I'm wondering if that's why like there's there's a high percentage, a surprisingly high percentage of frontline healthcare workers who are uh, refusing the vaccine. Like there's 50% in Riverside County in California. There's an even higher amount, not surprising, in Texas who are saying, no, not comfortable with this. Why do you you think that is? Yeah, well, you know, I I think, again, part of it is the fact that, that this vaccine was, or these vaccines were developed so rapidly Part of it is because mRNA vaccines are are new. I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, um, we are, you know, in a sense, asking our healthcare workers not only to be on the front lines of battling this, you know, COVID-19 pandemic, but now, in effect, they are serving as guinea pigs for expanding the distribution of these vaccines. You know, and again, I, I think in general, these vaccines are safe. I wouldn't hesitate myself to get a vaccine, but you know, uh, see, I'm a hesitator. I'm yeah, definitely yeah. Well, a hesitator. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, and, I, I have, I have, I've had to battle with autoimmune issues, and so maybe that's right. also part of the personal thing. But right. uh, I, I, I do hesitate in one regard, and 
I, I also look at it as uh, it is a miraculous and wonderful thing that we've been able to develop, like much of medicine. And a lot of our, our medicine is second to none in saving lives when lives are on the line. For long-term health, we are at the bottom of the barrel because we are sick with heart disease and diabetes. Our immune systems in the United States are nasty because of our diet, because of the the chemicals that we expose ourselves to. So no wonder we need a, a vaccine to come in and supposedly save the day. But we do very little to talk about what we really should be doing to strengthen our immune systems. Yeah, well, you know, and, you know, I, you know, have been paying a lot more attention to what I eat and, and very, you know, deliberately taking supplements that are supposed to you know, strengthen the immune system, you know, as part of, you know, my preparation, you know, for how Just I'm going to handle this. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but I think it's important to note that even if you strengthen your immune system, that won't protect you from contracting, you know, COVID-19. It will just hopefully, you know, uh, help to, to, to have a, a more effective response on the part of your immune system you know, to, to COVID-19. But so let me of, ask you that, something then. Let me ask you something sure. as uh, beyond just science, but as a, a man of God, a, a man of the word. So why are we so, I, I get that COVID is very serious, but in general, why are we so afraid of being exposed to things and, and getting sick? Is it, because it, to me, it's an awful lot like we think anything that is bad is has got to be a curse of God. And sometimes God uses those bad things in our lives to strengthen our spiritual immune system. And so like, likewise, when we are exposed to things and we get a cold or, and such, we keep it strengthening our immune system and make better choices to make our immune system strong. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think, you know, to, to your point, you know, God has created us with these incredible immune systems that are so sophisticated and so elegant and so complex that we still don't have a good grasp on on how our immune system functions. We continue to learn more and more things about our immune system and, you know, making, you know, what we learn and making our immune system even that much more remarkable. So I really do see our immune system as part of God's providence. And, you know, to your point, too, um, there's actually something called the hyperhygiene hypothesis that basically says, that part of the reason why we're seeing so much autoimmune disorders is because uh, we are, have created such hypersterile environments that during the course of our growth and development as children, we are not actually training our immune systems to respond appropriately to things in the environment. So, you know, in that sense, you know, I think we probably, you know, uh, aren't giving our immune systems enough credit. But I think what we're dealing with when it comes to vaccines is, to me, the, from a Christian perspective, would be considering what is best for the greater good. So, in other words, while I personally am I'm concerned about getting COVID-19, I don't want to get it, <laughs> of course, you know, but I'm not walking around in fear that if I get it, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, you know, the end. And if I, it does happen to be the end, I'm comfortable as a Christian with that's being part of God's will for, for my life. But I'm also concerned about 
what can I do as an individual that's going to protect uh, the other people around me and doing it as an act of love. And so I see, you know, wearing a mask, practicing social distancing, not so much for my protection, but for the protection of others who are going to be vulnerable to getting COVID-19 is going to be a very serious thing. You know, that's a good point. That's a good point. But my concern, too, is that 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 some of the studies are saying that if you do get the vaccine, that does not necessarily mean that you cannot give the the virus to someone else if you're if you are you could still be a carrier that's one of the the latest thinking so i'm that's something that we should be talking about as well is that yeah there's a there's a sense of well this might be a good thing to do and you may choose to to get the vaccine but sometimes i think that we put so much faith in um in science for example that we think of it as a silver bullet. And then we think that, well, now we are invincible, or uh, we cannot give it to someone else. And they're saying, well, you still might. And we may, we may drop our defenses of being careful because of the vaccine. And then we have cases like the lawmaker. Did you hear about this? Nick Perry uh, in New York, Bill A416, that is basically calling for COVID camps for people who may be case contact or carriers, and they'd like to expand that to people who don't get vaccines. And so it's like, what, internment camps yeah. for people with... we Getting back to the God story, what we're talking about, Fuzz, is, is yeah. great science, is great thinking of how... God has given us the intellect to be able to protect ourselves, to be able to um, develop things like vaccines and helpful medications. But sometimes I think we lack uh, the uh, the wisdom as to when it's when it's best, when it's not, and when to put our faith into something deeper. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, in, I mean, you're you're making a really important point. And that is that just because you get the vaccine, even if it is 90% effective, doesn't mean that you necessarily are protected because there is a certain percentage of people for, for which the vaccine doesn't afford protection for, for whatever reason. Uh, and, and so you still could uh, get COVID-19 and you could still, of course, pass it on to other people. And this is why everybody is talking about herd immunity. And that is when you get a, a, a certain critical number of people vaccinated within the population that those people that are not protected, you know, by vaccines or who are vulnerable are going to afford overall protection because of, you know, what's called, you know, herd immunity. Right. You know, so, but, but I think, you know, this idea of should these vaccines be mandatory? Should we, you know, take people's right to choose whether or not they want to be vaccinated away from them? I'm, not comfortable with that at all. And this idea of, you know, stripping people of their liberties, you know, uh, because they have COVID-19 or because, you know, they refuse to be vaccinated for whatever reason, seems to me to be uh, a a really poor reaction to to it. You know, I think, you know, what needs to be done is to, to do the hard work to show that the vaccines are safe. And, to try to continue to develop new vaccines, you know, so that we have a, a range of options available to us and also to continue to develop 
ways to treat, you know, COVID-19. You know, one of the good pieces mm, of news is yeah. that, you know, we have learned quite a bit about how to treat COVID-19 so that the death rate has dropped from what it initially was. Uh, and so that's, that's where science is also coming in that's, you know, augmenting, you know, what we're doing. Uh, so, yeah, so it's, it's a comp, it, it, this is a, this is a complex set of questions that we're it, discussing I know today. it is, and it's important because we're not really discussing them. We are coming from a pro-vax, anti-vax debate, and it's not. that's not really where it should be. It should be, hey, the vaccine is a marvel of medicine, and there are some concerns. We don't often talk about some of the concerns or the side effects or some of the implications of vaccines because we're afraid it's going to be bad people. Are. I've seen it on some of the news sites that have talked about a nurse. Uh, there was a nurse that developed Bell's palsy, for example, and there were a host of comments underneath. Well, this is precisely the kind of thing that shouldn't be in the news because it, it diminishes people's uh, uh, faith in vaccines. And it's like, no, it's news. Never be afraid of the truth. Let's find balance because that, I think, Fuzz, is why this vaccine is a little bit different and shows great promise because uh, some of the problems that we've had with vaccines in the past may not be the inactive viruses, but some of the adjuvants that we've had to put in to, to really make it work more effectively versus this one that really has relatively little, what is it, water, salt, you know, I mean, just aside from uh, the the potent part of the vaccine, uh, much less in the way of things that people are concerned with. That happens when we shine light light of some of the problems on differing issues and say, okay, how can we make it better? God's given us that intellect. Yeah, yeah. And uh, unfortunately, you were breaking up a little bit while you were talking. Oh, so I'm, I'm sorry. And this, well, uh, what this, I said was profound and deep <laughs> and, and so intellectual, but or, or it was just well, Michelle blathering, but... <laughs> Well, I'm I'm quite certain it was is profound and deep, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I what, what my question is is that somewhere in between uh, the concerns about vaccinations and the marvels of mar modern vaccinations, we should be having a conversation. Right, you know, and you know, and. You know, to me, I think what really uh, I think I'm saddened the most by this is that there are so many agendas that that are at play. And, and some of the agendas are, are good agendas, you know, where you want people to be healthy. You want this pandemic to come to an end. And, and unfortunately, we're, we're at the point where we just don't really trust one another. You know, we we we, we don't you know, people uh, we're concerned that people are not being forthright with all the information to to allow us to make informed decisions you know and that that there is you know uh, th this cancel culture that we live in in a shame culture where if you r dare raise questions or ask questions or are not completely convinced then you're labeled one way or the other and and so i think th this is really un highly unfortunate and what we're seeing now i think is the fruit of that, <laughs> the, the, those mindsets that are out there where we, we live in a post-truth world where we don't know what is true or who 
is really telling us the truth. And, and so, you know, it's important that I think people are forthright and honest and give us all the information and really trust that people have the intellectual ability to make the best decisions for themselves and that they have, you know, the right motivation that, that will allow them to make the best decision for the greater good as well. Nothing could be more of a breath of fresh air than what you just said. That is exactly what we need. And that's really what we're trying to do here is to create that conversation and not just preach to you about what Michelle believes or what, you know, or what the agenda dictates. But Fuzz, uh, one question I do have before we wrap things up and really bring home the God story, because that's what we really need. We have we have a virus of sin, and the only inoculation is real salvation. We're going to talk about that, but I did have one more question. Uh, you had mentioned earlier herd immunity, and the CDC had taken off their definition of, he- of herd immunity, uh, the ability for us to be to contract something uh, to be exposed to something and build immunity that way they're only utilizing vaccines is that short-sighted or is that modern thinking yeah you know this is something that even as a biochemist i'm not completely sure i've got a good handle on and that is how you can actually attain herd immunity uh, because uh, i've heard from experts differing uh, perspectives as to whether herd immunity can be achieved simply through exposure to the virus naturally or whether or not herd immunity can only be achieved through the use of vaccination. Well, so it's happened honestly, before in the past. I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt, but, you know, we only see three cases of the bubonic plague each year. So somewhere, and they didn't have a vaccine back in the day. So somewhere in our immune system, we must be able to achieve herd immunity or we would see much more of that and many other diseases from antiquity. Yeah. And then, well, and then related to that, though, is also the concern that if you do attain herd immunity through the infection spreading within the population apart from the use of a vaccine, that then you wind up with a very large number of, of, hum, of, of people dying. That's you know, a even if, big point. Even, yeah. if you have a very, if, if, even if you have a very low death rate, when you start talking 300 million people, now you're looking at you know, millions of people dying yeah. in order to attain herd immunity. So that's where the vaccination you know, comes into play. But uh, again, and that's so, great. But why can't it be both? I don't understand why we can't have a little bit of both for people who, um, for medical reasons that you had mentioned before, can't or shouldn't or should at least think twice about taking the vaccine. Um, even people who say I'm not comfortable for religious reasons or whatever reasons. Why can't it be a, a balance of both? Yeah, well, and, 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 and maybe it should be, you know, because, again, you know, it's not clear right now how many people have actually been, you know, infected with COVID-19 as it is because of the fact that there are some people that are asymptomatic that just simply don't so sh- show symptoms. And, you know, we don't know whether or not those people actually develop immunity or not to the, the virus if they don't show, you know, symptoms. But nevertheless, it's hard to know what the prevalence of infection actually has been in the, in the human you know, population at large. And 
within the United States. So these are still, you know, outstanding questions that I think we've yet to answer that factor into, you know, this whole idea of how do we ultimately attain herd immunity. Fuzz, I know you talk about this kind of stuff with smart people, but I got to tell you, this has been so much fun. Just taking it on from a balanced approach, not being afraid to ask the questions like we can be in our society. Uh, I think that also plays to that deeper story, the story that you mentioned that God's timing in providing uh, medicine that that we need and inoculations that we might need in a time of pandemic. Uh, and, and looking at it beyond just the vaccine fuzz, that we're in a place in history where we can actually work from home, have meetings from home. I can broadcast from home for the first time in in our history. Uh, I talked with Hugh Ross recently, who said he's been doing more meetings and reaching more people during the pandemic than ever before because of telecommuting and the like. There's so much that God has gently prepared us for, even when we're going through such a great trial. To me, that's part of the God story. The other part is that it comes with a cost that we can't always rely 100% on the inventiveness and invention of man, Um, that sometimes there's a deeper story. And and I think that we can put so much faith in science and we like to build it up so much that we miss part of the deeper story and the God story. And that's what I want to finish our conversation off with. Yeah, you know, and Michelle, I think you're you're making a really important point here, and that is, you know, science and the technology that comes from science is really a blessing from God in many instances. Of course, technology is always a double-edged sword where there's always problems that arise from implementing technology, too. But as a, as a whole, science and technology truly are a blessing from God that helps us, I think, to fulfill the mission that God has given us as human beings, which is to be caretakers of the planet, and to promote human flourishing and to mitigate pain and suffering. But at the same time, I think there is an allure there that because science and technology are so powerful, that that ultimately becomes the source of our salvation. And, and I think we always want to remember that science and technology are a gift to us from God, but ultimately the, the real hope that we have and, the, and the, the real salvation that we are being offered is through the person of Christ, uh, and that, that we are never going to attain immortality, but we will have eternal life if we embrace the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I love it, because science to me is fabulous, but without a deeper story, without a God story, it's kind of dead and purposeless. With God, there is so much purpose in science, and especially you can see in the conversations we have as we look on kind of sometimes a molecular level, you see God in the great expanse of the universe, but you, uh, Fuzz, can also see God in the 
the tiniest in the microbiology in the in the atoms and then the in the small things god is everywhere and it brings this purpose to science it brings a deeper story mm-hmm. and as we go through a difficult time in history we can also see that maybe there's a deeper story for us that there's purpose sometimes in our suffering there's purpose that can bring about great good as well. To me, that's the God story. And it has been so much fun getting to it with you. Dr. Fazrana of Reasons to Believe. You can go to reasons.org. Click on the link in the explanation as you listen to this broadcast. Thanks for being with us today. And Happy New Year, my friend. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, Michelle. As we wrap up the program today, some op-ed from me on questioning authority, where the virus is concerned or anything else, this idea of settled science or it's all settled and the experts know. Look, when I was growing up, the left-leaning liberal way of thinking was to question authority. It's funny, though, how when you become the ones that are in authority, you don't like being questioned anymore. And those who are in authority want to use that authority and tell us what's best. It is not harmful to question it. It's not harmful to look and see what is true. And it's not a left-leaning teaching. It's actually a biblical teaching. Yeah. In the New Testament, the Bereans were folks that were presented with the gospel. And they basically said, Yeah, cool. Sounds great. But you know what? We're going to just check out for a moment, go back to the Bible, see what your claims are. We're going to question your authority. Acts 17.11 says that there is praises for these folks that that should be given. He praises them. The Berean Jews, the Bible says, were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examine the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. It's okay to listen to both sides. It's okay to question authority. It's okay to even question your own thoughts and and what someone is saying the Bible says. It's okay because God's not afraid of truth. And I believe the Bible can stand up to it all. That to me is part of the God story. Thank you for being part of my Michelle Live Science and Technology Tuesday. If you are intrigued by the God story and you want to know more, email me. You can go to our website and contact us at mymichellelive.com. If you liked what you heard, share this. Help us to grow and get the God story out there. All you have to do is like what you hear wherever you're listening and share it with your friends. Thanks for being with us. More SciTech Talk at MyMichelleLive.com.